Welcome back to the Waza Media Podcast. My name is JR. I'm the CEO of this company. Waza Media is a digital marketing agency that believes in the power of storytelling. We, tell, we show businesses and individuals how to communicate with laser focus in a media-saturated world. Before we start, I do want to tell you about Northwest Re- Registered Agent. Uh, they've helped us out with our LLC and a lot of our legal documents. And as the new year is starting, if you're looking to get yourself started with setting up your own business, I highly recommend Northwest Re- Registered Agent. And if you go to waza.media slash Northwest, you can go ahead and set yourself up. I love their customer service. They gave me a call right when I signed up. They're great people to work with. So make sure you go to waza.media slash Northwest. On this episode, I am super happy to talk with Jess Durden. Jess is a communications and marketing strategist and a professor out of Toronto, Canada. Jess, it's good to see you. Hello, hello. How are you? I am great. Uh, It's been a while since we last talked. Um, For our audience, Jess and I know each other through the Seth Godin Alt-MBA program. Mm, and what a program it was. Very, very informative and trying for a type A like me to go into an environment where there were no grades. <laughs> that, and, and speaking of that, I actually still have uh, the book, Thanks for the Feedback, which was in our, pa- in our, our, ba- our package of books. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was by Douglas Stone and Sheila Heen. And I started going through the first couple chapters. Um, and to be honest, I didn't, I didn't really read any of the books when I, for our course. Well, Kate, they did send them to us respectfully two weeks before. And then it was, you could read them, but how prepared do you want to be going into this? And I was like, whoa, I don't know if I can do all of that in two weeks. So I've been saving them and I promised myself they would be nice treats, you know, one month or two months after we got out of the program. I, I will say the thing that I liked from our package mm-hmm. uh, from our uh, when we got into the course and we got this this lovely gift package before we started is this p- a set of post-it notes and it has uh, the following things on it. It says, uh, what's it for? Uh, who's it for? What's it for? And where are the constraints? And uh, I have that on one of my uh, one or two of my monitors. Yeah, I love I- it. And I'm looking at it with uh, pretty much everything that I do. Yeah, although I find for communications, the questions that really are missing there are my two faves, why and so what, right? Because we talked so much in that course about worldview and especially from a comms and a marketing, being able to position, you know, in order to get to a yes, the why and the so what are always front and center for me. I, I used the phrase, what the, what's the, the so what factor? Yeah, that's that's a big one. And and, and for those who are interested in, in the Alt MBA program, um, it's a great program. Highly, mm-hmm. highly recommend it. Um, I still keep in touch with a couple other people from there in various groups. And I just love seeing how how everyone has grown or what people are into uh, mm-hmm. after the program. Uh, some of them are actually near me <laughs> in, the, in the Washington, D.C. area. So it's been fun. We haven't met. And uh, partly to uh, things that are going on in the world and also life. Life is busy. <laughs> but uh, I think it's just, uh, it's another, I, I enjoyed the like-minded 
uniqueness of, of everyone that was on there and, and especially talking with you in in the world of communications mm-hmm. yeah 100 percent. i still keep in touch uh, i think one of my second last groups happened to be a group full of women and so we've been kind of keeping in touch on like a quarterly basis and actually just did a strat session on branding and positioning for nicole sweetlaw she runs one of a she's a nonprofit. it's i think it's compass education and so we recently put our heads together to kind of help her figure out, you know, what does 2022 look like? So it's very valuable, that network. Awesome. I love mm-hmm. that. Um, Jess, one of the things that Waza Media believes in is the power of storytelling. So as we start getting and talking a little bit more about internal communications, that's what we'll be talking about. Could you tell us a little bit about your story? Sure. Well, I am actually one of the unicorns in communications, firstly, because I didn't follow in the path that I was told that you had to do, which was start at an agency, you know, so you could learn the groundwork, figure out how hard you had to work, you know, pull up yourself by the bootstraps and get it done. I actually, I started right in the the private sector with Aeroplan and actually I started in internal communications. So like I really, really went hardcore and niche. Although ultimately when that job was first offered to me, I didn't say yes because it was an internship and I thought according to everyone, you know, I had to go and start in an agency. And so I still remember the boldness of being 25, sitting in the interview, being like, you know what, this sounds really cool. It fits because I have a business degree on marketing. It's loyalty marketing and I'm doing communications, but I'm going to an event tonight and I've made some business cards and, you know, I'm going to see if I can get some agency jobs. But lo and behold, the way it worked at the college I was at was, and respectfully so for those saying they want an intern, if you went to the interview, if they wanted you and they said yes, that was it. So before I had even gotten out the door, I got the phone call that yes, Aeroplan wanted me. And at first I was like, oh, but then it ended up honestly being the best thing that, that ever happened to me. And so I got my start building an internal comms function with a woman that ended up being my boss thrice over and now mentor and friend. And I got to build something as Aeroplan went from just being the first uh, loyalty program to ever be spun off by an airline company to grow into what's now called AMIA, which was a full data insights, um, consumer insights company on a global scale. And so those were the first few years of my career I then realized I was getting a little bit pigeon-tailed or pigeonholed into that particular world. Although as we will soon discuss as well, I believe the tools are the tools, right? The audience is where you need to do your homework and figure out what resonates, but the tools that we use, the strategies are all relatively the same, but you'd be surprised how many people don't believe that. And so I had done everything I could in this role. And essentially they were like, there's no more, there's no room for you to grow unless you want to stay here. And so my mentor came calling again, and that was when I dipped my toe into the nonprofit world, focused on external comms, government relations, social media. From there, that led me back. And that was also a really hard move, going from the nonprofit sector back into the private sector, even though I had a business degree and started off in the, the, non- or the private sector. It took a while for me to convince people that I belonged in that side of the world. And so I ended up in all places, a process consulting firm. 
and they put me through my paces. I had to defend everything I did, but it really strengthened me and prepared me for my subsequent jobs. And so from there, I moved on to the Toronto Region Board of Trade which was, you know, a great opportunity in a nonprofit, but advocacy. So I learned a lot about the economics and how the city of Toronto worked. I jumped there into the world of development and real estate. And so I've worked for a private um, small developer that's been socially focused. So that was really interesting. Again, focused on branding that time, positioning, and then all the comms that comes with it. And in my current role, I finally found my way back into internal comms, back into a global environment, and I'm now working for a commercial real estate company. You've been a, literally almost around the world when it comes yeah. to uh, communications. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Out of all the different things that you've done, I, I, mm -hmm. I heard internal communications, that's what you're doing now. You've done branding, social media, and I heard marketing as well. Mm -hmm. Out of the, all the different types of uh, communications, what seems to be your draw, your draw to? Sure. I think because I had my foundation starting off in internal and rightly so, it gave me this foundation to naturally always think 360 about all the audiences for launches, but to always start with employees. And I believe that's a fundamental principle to any time you want to do a campaign, anytime you want to get the message out. And, you know, I love to use the example of say, you know, Starbucks spends a million dollars on the latest and greatest pumpkin spice latte, billboards everywhere, desk drops, corner drops, here's a coupon. And imagine you go home and your partner is like, hey, knowing you work for Starbucks, I just got this coupon, you know, the latest pumpkin spice lattes out. I can't wait to try it. And you being the employee, knowing how the sauce is made, it's like, mm, yeah, you know, what? it's not so good. Or actually, I didn't hear anything about it. That's really interesting. All of that work is for nothing. If you do not start with employees, if you do not work to make what I like to call productive ambassadors. So productive in the sense that they feel a sense of purpose. They want to come and do their best job, not necessarily production in terms of how we like to think of it in terms of an assembly line, but just straight up doing their best every day, whatever that may be. And then ambassador in the terms of even just neutral, right? What is good enough to get employees on your side to make them feel educated, engaged, inspired. And for me, like I just keep coming back to the value of internal comms. And the the pandemic has definitely thrown a wrench on how internal comms is done in the current world, which we'll definitely get it, get into. But I um, want to briefly ask you one more question before we start going in, because right. it's, 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 it's like right on the tip of my tongue and I really want your answer. All right. Um, in your experience, uh, you, I, I remember from your intro, you mentioned that uh, that there seems to be a disconnect between PR and marketing, that sometimes uh, the people that we work for don't understand that there's actually a line that is drawn between the two. What is your layman's explanation for explaining the difference between PR and marketing? Sure. Well, I actually don't believe, like, I believe there's only one fundamental point of difference, and this may potentially be a hot take, but I'm totally comfortable saying it. You know, ultimately, Marketing exists and is incredibly valuable, but the one question it really wants to know, the one singular call to action it has is buy me, right? Buy my product, buy my service. 
when you look at the world of communications, it's actually the top of the funnel for marketing, right? So we as communicators, which second hot take, I believe communications to be a professional designation, we exist to manage and enhance brands and reputations. We do the groundwork and we ask a lot of questions before it actually gets to, do you want to buy me? Right. Even just, hey, did you know we exist? Right. Getting on the right people's radar at the right time with the right message and that third party credibility. Right. So not the billboard saying the pumpkin spice latte is awesome. Ideally, the employee saying it's awesome, but even just your friend. Right. Your trusted advisors, your sources of truth in each individual circle. That's the value of PR for me. Marketing, incredibly important, but time and place. And they exist, although it's a smaller circle, but not smaller, less in terms of value, but they have one ask. We have multiple asks. I love that explanation, especially with the multiple asks, because it could be a product, a service, the different calls to action Mm -hmm. uh, can, can vary. And, uh, and I'm thinking about some of the other products and now I've now I have two toddlers I'm thinking about the things that they're exposed to uh product wise and knowing what they may uh try to might may buy in the future because they're so exposed to it either it's at home or they're watching YouTube kids which I'm surprised on how much advertising and product placement that they have on it so I as a parent I need to make and knowing uh how how the how it all works Mm -hmm. kind of I have to be cognizant of that Mm -hmm. uh but then the branding part is, is a huge play for these companies to try to get it into the heads of younger children so that when they become of buying age yeah, with income, with finances that are coming in, that they're like, oh, yeah, that one was a good, that was a good thing. Or that was, no, 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 no that stay away from that one. Papa had a had an issue with that or, or mama didn't like it. it. It made her skin break out or something, or something like that. Mm-hmm. And that will be part of their decision making process. Mm-hmm. So thank, thank you for that. Um, I want to go into the topic for today, which is about internal comms. Yeah. Uh, and you, you, you touched on it uh, in the beginning. And I, I think the answer, you, I think you already said the answer for this one. So, um, and, and, I've, and I've seen this in a couple organizations that I've personally worked for where the strategy for communication usually starts outward mm-hmm. and then goes in. But your, from what you've mentioned earlier, it seems that your approach is in and out, in to out with with 360 in in mind. Yeah, ideally, ultimately, you know, one would argue that you have your foundational pieces and your constant kind of comms channel. So whether it's a monthly video from the president or a regular internet updates, right? So you have your status quo, but I would argue, and not that it's problematic, but the majority of news tends to happen as a result of external happenings, right? So like for my company, anytime we buy something new or sell something or step into a new market. And so that's why for me, it really matters the level of connectivity, both between the marketing team, right? Because marketing owns brand, which is what you're promising you're putting out into the market. Comms owns reputation, which is how we show up, even though that's everybody's job from everyone's stakeholder perspective. But I think what really matters is the trigger and the initial action of the news piece might be externally focused, but it's in the, in the cohesion of the message. And if you can't tell employees first, because a lot of time in the way deals are done, right, you need to keep things as tight as possible. 
how soon after, or more importantly, as you and I were talking before we started rolling, the faith questions too, and on the on the, the post-it, is how can you then make that message even more valuable? So don't just straight up send the news release to employees, but send an internal message that say, hey, here's why you need to care about this, both from a business perspective. So how does it connect to the big picture? How does it connect to me, Jesse, employee? How is this going to make my life better, easier? Is there a new opportunity for me? And then the Holy Grail, shout out the names of all the people from those that might have, you know, made the numbers work on the finance team to the marketing team to even maybe for my world, like the leasing team that helps sell the property. Can you make sure everybody gets recognition? Then you're adding value. Then you're contextualizing stuff. Then you're also ensuring that your employees are becoming productive ambassadors. I like that with, with adding value because I'm sure in the corporate world, emails are being flown left and right. And okay. the, the goal of the day is to get the zero inbox, you know. <laughs> you, Which, have you ever had a zero inbox with my uh, OCD tendencies? I keep it to like 20, anything more than that. And I'm stressing a bit. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have not been able to do zero inbox, but I, I, I love the flagging feature. Mm-hmm. And I love the being able to remind me to do to do this on uh, to, to, to follow up on an email. Mm-hmm. It's either within 24, 48 hours if it's mm-hmm. an action that needs to be taken to, to the next step. And I just need to double check on it. Uh, but for I don't recommend it's just my personal take. I don't remember recommend using email as your to do list. Mm-hmm. I recommend having a separate application. Um, something else outside of email uh, to structure your your things in your priority list of things to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, your your email inbox is not your to do list. No, I'm straight up old school. Post its left, right, and center. Post its on post its on post its, and then isn't it the worst when like the weekends and you're getting ready to start a new week and you're just writing the same things onto the next post it. <laughs> I will I will show to you. Uh, I am holding. Uh, neat, and I have multiple colors of this. This is a post-it note that says to do. And my favorite thing to do is to put, um, and has lines and it has a, has a box that I can physically like check off. It's, it's, it's so satisfying. Yeah. It is so satisfying. You could line through it. You could check box. You yeah. could do an X. It's the, I, it's the greatest feeling in the world. <laughs> it really is. Um, one tactic, I, I, that uh, that I heard in a, in another conference call that I, that I was at when it comes to emails and mm-hmm. and disseminating information that I heard was um, w- w- the issue in one company that this person was talking about so many emails going around and people are trying to figure out how is what's the so what factor mm-hmm. how does this apply to me mm-hmm. and at the bottom uh, the 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 CEO uh, at w- would put line by line who who it's for so you have mm-hmm. message and at the end is here's the so what factor employees department hr whatever these are your this is how this impacts you and it was one to two sentences and so it does two things number one you're informing but also number two you're giving that so what factor so the right people have the right message and can say Oh, that applies to me, and then they can take the appropriate action. So I, th- I thought that was a really was was a great tactic that I never thought about that could be used, and it seemed to be successful at this person's company. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that's really interesting. Uh, one of the things we have been struggling with is just the notion of mass comms, even as an employee base. And so I find it's interesting that they're taking that approach and kind of jamming it all in at the bottom there. Whereas, you know, I personally try and see what is the universal message. But interestingly enough, too, like I've been receiving feedback after hosting a few virtual events, you know, wanting to deliver strategy and getting this isn't resonating with me. And so segmentation has become incredibly important, not just thinking of your employees as a whole, but like, is there a difference between even roles, but more importantly, between leadership levels, right? Do you even want a president going to everyone or is it a president going to individuals to getting the cascading down? And so these are things I'm still trying to, to noodle through. And as we were talking, I took on this current job right before the pandemic hit. And then the world blew up and I spent my time figuring out how to position, you know, all of the messages, staying home, staying safe, following protocols, vaccine requirements. That was really interesting and cool. And then trying to get people to come back into work. And so I almost believe I'm better for not having gotten that foundation built back before the pandemic because things have significantly changed. I already felt as if the world, and I'm sure you did as well, given your world, you know, things were already changing and not feeling so great in terms of capacity, being out of gas, overwhelming amounts of information. And that was happening before the pandemic. And then, you know, in addition to companies talking about wanting to change, right, technological evolution, disruption, innovation, all of the buzzwords that people are like, this is a lot. Then comes the pandemic and we layer in a whole other set of change, both personally, professionally, all the things. It's really disrupted the world of communications and I haven't quite figured out how to address it, but some of the strategies I've been noodling is the notion of just straight up segmentation, right? So when is it relevant to be from the president? Um, I've actually done work in my organization where each executive has a persona. So in addition to the body of work that they own, do they speak on the topic of inclusion and diversity? Uh, the president, for example, can they be a connector to people and ideas and things? When is it worth hearing from your direct manager, right? Your source of truth. Is there a higher probability I, Jess, I'm going to open an email from my boss or from the head head of my department? It depends on the topic. The other thing I've been trying to figure out too and this is another hot take, it fundamentally, remember, we used to build comms plans and campaigns, mm -hmm. right? So tell them three times, give them a beautiful lead up, tell them every single which way. That simply doesn't work anymore, especially for internal communications, right? There is only one audience and everybody is working on something that is the most important work to them, which is also another pleasure of my job being the no but. But how do you figure out, like, you can't have a campaign if HR wants to launch a new, you know, engagement app, and then data and technology is coming out with privacy month, and then we're trying to get people to get back to the office. Gone are the days are these campaigns into a just-in-time communications model, right? What do you need to know in this moment? And what's the return on effort with an email? Is that going to be successful? Or is it actually worth someone's time? popping into a meeting and saying, hey, this is what's up and this is what you have to do. And on top of that, another tactic um, that I'm seeing across other corporations is yeah. 
uh, a lot of pop-up uh, town halls. Yeah. With with Q&A enabled on the side. So that mm -hmm. way, number one, they're trying to do as much face-to-face -face time with, with the technology that we have to simulate yeah. uh, yeah, that type of environment, but also include a way where not everyone can be on camera asking their questions and an involving chat. And so, uh, and I'm sure you, this may be an issue where someone is trying to value or trying to calculate the, the return on investment for what's going on with face-to-face -face and also documenting all the questions that are in the chat. And then do you respond to it in real time or do you take mm -hmm. the conversations away from, from it and, 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 and try to answer it there? Yeah. And then gauging sentiment uh, which I think is is a great way for doing that by taking the the chat and then giving it some uh, running it through uh, an algorithm and getting some words. Ooh. Yeah, but what do you do if you don't even get any questions? Because remember, everyone is so tired of being on camera. So I've tried two approaches. Always in comms, as you know, you plant the question, and it's not in a mischievous or misleading way. It's simply I pull from my goodwill bucket being like, hey, JR, it's Jess at the upcoming town hall, you know, if and when the spirit moves you, can you ask a question? And then I get yes, 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 yes. Sometimes it doesn't happen. A lot of times it does. So I try and plan questions in advance. Sometimes it works. I've even recently taken to, I will put in a question because we actually um, have just started using, shout out to these Toronto founders. It's called Venue Platform. And it looks just like an IG Live. So like I can upload like emoji cannons and change the icons. The branded experience is amazing. So I've recently started using that for my company events. The problem is you cannot hide questions. So there's been times where I went to plant questions and I'm not worried about anyone saying anything negatively. I'm worried about the dead air. Mm -hmm. And so I recently tried because you can vote up questions. I collected questions in advance and I put them in and essentially said, hey, vote on which ones, you know, do you want to hear these ones and add to the mix? Nothing. And this was an event with like it was a leadership conference and the people on the stage were the executives. And so it's not for a lack of intention. It's not for a lack of caring, but like, I think we also just have to level set on how much employees have to give at these particular moments and times. And what we've been finding too with the town halls is if you don't plan them in advance. So I try very, very hard to have the major marquee events at least three months in people's calendar. Everyone's stressing because there's no space in their calendar. And so now they're like, okay, cool. This event is coming up. I see it's with an executive but I also have to meet, you know, an external client, what is important? Like, what am I supposed to be doing here? Mm -hmm. That re that can uh, cause some panic about what are, what are my priorities? Is it, is it the boss or dealing with the client? Yeah. So definitely some bring some interesting items and key points to put out. Um, and then let's throw in the pandemic yes. <laughs> into the mix. You mentioned yeah. earlier about um, having some physical things to to distribute on the walls, and 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 I know when we all were in the office that you know there were signs that we could put. There's banners. There's um, things in the hallway. My favorite was hearing from uh, from another employee uh, at their company that 
they would do internal communication by putting things in the stall mm -hmm. of the toilets. So when you close the stall, there was a section <laughs> where you could read and information was disseminated that way. I'm like, wow, they're like, leave no space behind program. Um, <laughs> but we don't have those physical ways of communicating as well. And I always was always uh, trying to figure out how do you track ROI of the bathroom stall marketing <laughs> billboard. And so a lot of it has gone virtual, it's gone through digital. Um, do you see any, any um, constraints? While we have the di digital is, is leads to potential uh, almost endless ways to communicate through digital realms. Do you see any constraints by work by, with the current environment, work environment, where a lot of us are in a virtual setting? Yeah, yeah, that's a really good question. And I love that um, the bathroom stall actually fits with one of my strategies is how do you meet people where they are? <laughs> you can't get much more of a captive audience than that. <laughs> that's brilliant. But to, to answer the question, even pre-pandemic, there's always constraints with, with digital. As you know, hosting this medium, the problem is that you've got to be on your game because you're not just competing with your internal channels, right? Or this team or that team sending an email, even if we're just talking about the medium of email, but imagine creating a video, right? The videos that I have to create need to be on the same quality of scale and what people can get all around me. So when we move into the digital environment, when we move into podcasts, video, all of the things that I enjoy outside of my free time, outside of work, the quality needs to be there, right? The production level, the thought process. And that is a lot of work to consistently produce stuff internally, because now your audience it's gone rest of world, right? And although some some people might say, just pick up the phone and just just selfie it, the quality is not there. Mm -hmm. And uh, having seen some previous people do it, the um, the audio is not there. And then diving a little bit into uh, the, the technology and the engagement, uh, what I found is if the audio isn't clear but the the video is blurry or it's shaky as long as the audio is clear then you, you can get your message across but there there it's it's little things to attention to detail that will make a dramatic impact it reminds me of when adele was talk uh launched her new uh single and yeah. then she went on instagram live and during that whole profit process of trying to make this from her own personal account she was struggling yeah. on how to use the platform it it, it was yeah. while i i felt for her it, but it, it was she was trying to connect she's trying to connect with her audience and worldwide i mean she's got something important to say but struggling through the technical difficulty was was you know almost two years of being in this in this setting where we're all using technology it kind of made me question what was she, what was she doing but you know it made me relate with some of uh, some of what you said, <laughs> trying to trying to help bridge the gap that they, they have a message, but if they can't use the technology and the tools, how effective can it be? Overall, right. it went it went well, uh, but it, yeah. but I'm sure on our communication side, they there was a there's a small little poke at her about not being able to use that platform. 
right? One hundo, and you just summed it up right there, right? That is employee sentiment. Now, can you imagine, right, that happening with your CEO of your company, right? With the leader that we're supposed to be trusting in to take us out of this pandemic and into a new, what I like to call the next normal. If it's not a new normal, it's the next normal. But you just summed it up right there. That is everyone's sentiment, right? Unfortunately, because social media is so accessible, because with communications, we are verbal, we write, other people can do that, they think they can do comms, everybody is such a tough critic. There is no margin for error. None whatsoever. And the internet can be quite the criticizer. Yeah. <laughs> or anonymous employee surveys as well. <laughs> Communication is always the biggest problem and the solution. Jess, we talked a lot about um, some of the dynamics of internal communication. We talked about some strategies. We talked about some tactics. We talked about how the pandemic is causing a wrench and, and what we knew was internal comms and what may be the future of it. Is there something that you see in the future? Is there a hopeful for where you want internal comms to be in the future and better connecting with internal and, and within the organization? Yeah, I think one of the interesting things is this movement towards, you know, asynchronous communication, right? So it's trusting that employees will know where to find the stuff that they need and if and when ready, they will go and consume that information. And it's interesting that's becoming so prevalent now because of a hybrid environment. But I'm puzzled by that because like I work for a global company and so time zones were always a thing. And so it's interesting, like I even have, so when I host global meetings, unfortunately I have to pick the biggest time zone grouping. So that means my poor colleagues in Singapore and Australia are like joining in the middle of the night and some of them have to be my speakers sometimes. And so what I'm really looking towards and trying to figure out is how do you get this asynchronous model of communications lifted up? And so that brings me back to that strategy of meeting people where they are. I'm exploring right now, and I haven't gotten too deep into it, but Microsoft, um, they just, they have a Viva product. And so essentially what that is, is it enables you, if you have an intranet that's on SharePoint, you can actually bring that in through one particular button right on Teams. So you can literally now meet people where they are, bringing the intranet right into where people are predominantly or predominantly doing the work that they use. So I'm trying to figure out if that's an opportunity, how can I get that more customized? Because that's the other piece of the puzzle too, right? Gone are the mass messages. The so what factor, especially coming out of the pandemic, the stakes have never been higher. But the problem too is I find even with employee communications pre-pandemic, the lens of every employee was always different, right? Different depending upon how they got up that day, whether or not they were able to be successful with drop-off, if they got to work on time, and then they read these messages through, you know, what was the last email from their boss? What was their last performance review? And now the pandemic has added that extra layer. And so the only solution is to how do you dig deeper into so what, but more importantly, who is that right person to be delivering that message, right? And that's fundamentally why comms is the same. The tools are the tools, get the right message, the right way to the right person at the right time. And so I think the trends for us internally are looking more to asynchronous, as I mentioned, but then what that also means from a metric standpoint is you've got to be willing to take a beat 
and look back way longer and give them longer lead times, right? Because if you're dropping a video, one would assume if you're pushing from an email, perhaps maybe within a week, right? Most people would have opened up that email within a week, ideally clicked on the email and watched the video. If you're dropping things into your intranet, you know, and pulling people, or maybe not just letting them sit there, you're going to have to trust that that information is going to be consumed. So that's going to get a little bit more difficult from a quantifying standpoint and in terms of trying to make change in the moment. And so I think there's a lot of testing that still has to happen with that. But to me, asynchronous comms and then really getting clear in that just-in-time communications model, knowing everyone's got to come to work every day. We have sticky notes of stuff that is being carried over from week to week. I've already gotten used to in comms, as I'm sure you have. I come in and most days are like, what am I not going to do today? Who do I have to beg for forgiveness for to get stuff done? Now imagine information coming in, right? So it's how can we get really, really, really good at making sure I know what I need to know to do my job, both in terms of the tactical, but also feeling connected to the big picture, right? How does the work that I just do ladders up into moving the business forward? And then the holy grail. Is it being seen? Am I being recognized and noticed? I saw, um, I was going on marketing Twitter, hashtag marketing Twitter today, and I saw <laughs> someone post an infographic about the importance of uh, communications goals going towards op, uh, business goals mm -hmm. and business objectives. Is, is the so, am I communicating something that actually does something for the organization or for the business? And the, the I'm paraphrasing the copy of the of the tweet is it was related to um, your comms team needs to be connected with the end result so that they know their sense of purpose. We're communicating, but as we've been saying throughout this our conversation, so what? Mm -hmm. So what 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 did we? Is there a goal? Is there a chief? That what did we do by communicating? Did it do anything? Mm -hmm. And um, I hope it, it it was an engaging tweet and I, I was going through the comments and everyone seemed to be uh, echoing that, that same sentiment is uh, what's the so what? Yeah. And even on the flip side of that too, right? Like as a comms professional, right? Trying to defend the value for the work that you do, because they typically tend to keep our teams lean because we don't represent P&L, right? We're not responsible for profit and loss. Marketing, you know, they're super lucky because they get that direct connection to, you know, sales. They can show how their efforts are actually making a difference from a dollar and cent standpoint. And that's been one of the most difficult things, regardless internal, external, right? How do you quantify the value? And so internal, if you're not demonstrating how the work that you are doing is actually helping move the business forward, then you're not even starting from the right place, right? Because fundamentally, internal communications, the way I like to see it, regardless of whether or not it's a centralized or decentralized model, I have the privilege of being the conduit between what is happening at the big picture because I'm involved in so many things, because I get to interact with so many people, especially the executives, which is the privilege as well, and then getting what is in their mind, right? Because that's also how you buy in and get trust in leaders too, what is in their heads and what is in their hearts? And can I ultimately trust them to help me go into this next direction, right? Is it worth me just putting in those extra hours to get this done? Because one, I know I'm going to be seen or rewarded for it. And two, I know it's contributing to the business as a whole. 
Awesome points. Jess, it's been a pleasure having you on the show today. We've been talking with Jess about the importance of internal communications. And no matter what size of the organization, internal comms is important, even mm-hmm. if you're a company of one. Because if you don't know what, what's going on, <laughs> how else were you going to be able to know? So no, no matter the size of your organization, no matter of your company, internal comms is important. Jess, mm-hmm. uh, how can our Wazza Media audience uh, uh, contact you or, or, or anything of that sort? Is there something a project or something that you would like to point to uh, our audience? So for me, I am uh, thankful enough to be working for corporations. So nothing on my own. I spend my time teaching. That's also how I I pay it forward because I've been super fortunate to have really great mentors as well. Always happy to talk shop and share ideas. And so LinkedIn is my online Rolodex. That's where I love to play. And then recently, as you know, too, I joined Instagram as a result of the pandemic, simply because I did not have any athleisure wear. And so I forced myself to get up every day and pick clothes from my closet. And even though I wasn't going anywhere, I took photos of it. So if you want to see my creative side, you can find me at branded underscore Jess on Instagram. Have you created your own hashtag uh, for it? Uh, I'm just thinking like leisure, leisure by Jess. <laughs> it's See definitely not at leisure. It's all of like my work clothes. So I've always had the same style, thankfully. And I did find, unfortunately, and fortunately, it took me 18 weeks to pull out one new piece every single day. <laughs> I, I will say my, I, I'm still under, under the pajamas and, uh, and sweatpants uh, for home. And now that it's getting colder, I think I need to upgrade um, my, my slippers uh, to like something uh, uh, something a little bit warm, warmer as yeah. it's starting to get cold. Yeah, I'm spending my time. I've been back in the office actually, not today, but since July, my big 10 minute commute, thankfully is one of the bonuses of living right downtown Toronto. So I've been spending my time equally at the office and at home. So it's been a nice balance because I don't know about you, but I don't like living where I work. It has its pros and cons. Yeah. Um, I do love my setup it, and being able to, I, I make sure, and this was something I talked with someone else to make sure I don't mm-hmm. have a fridge or like my coffee maker, like right next to me. Cause or else I would never leave yeah. my, my home office. I have to physically get up and walk a floor or elsewhere in, in, in the home or else mm-hmm. I'll never leave. Cause it's just, I'll, I'll stand, I'll sit. I've got the, I've got a balance board thing to help me with mobility. Um, but yeah, I had to force myself or else I, I really like this space. Mm-hmm. But one day, one day we will get back into some type of hybrid environment where doing more in-person stuff. So when that day comes, I need to prepare myself. Mm-hmm, you do. It is nice being cozy, but yeah, there's a whole world out there. <laughs> and I do miss traveling and I, I, and I do, I do miss that. Mm-hmm. So thank you, Jess. It's good to have you. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed it. Thanks for listening to the Waza Media Podcast. If you found this podcast helpful, please share this with a friend and give us a review. It only takes a quick moment. Be sure to follow us on our social media platforms at Waza Media. That's W-A-Z-A Media. And if you're looking for an agency to help you take your business to the next level, please visit our website at waza.media to schedule a consultation. 
Thanks again for listening and tune in next time for the next episode.